You're listening to the Irish Times. Joy comes in the morning, Eamon Donoghue. Joy comes in the morning. Leash. Leash. What ought to be from Leash this Monday morning? Yeah, oh, what a, what a, what a win for them. Um, <laughs> Dublin stunned. You know, from the massive highs, the massive low, but for for Leash, you know, week one week winning McDonough Cup, another week they've got a, an All Ireland hurling quarter final to look it forward is one to. Of, in fairness, it is one of the most Dublin hurling things ever to happen to Dublin hurling is to you know pull off the win that mattered against Galway uh, three weeks ago, and and not to follow it up by beating Leash. My Lord above! But yeah. this is not about them. It is about Leash. What a like! It is just. An impossible thing that they've done to win the Joe McDonough, to celebrate the Joe McDonough, because they did go in the beer on Sunday mm. night and a little bit on Monday, uh, and then to come and beat uh, beat Dublin, and they're through to an All Ireland quarter final against Tipperary this Sunday. Yeah, oh, it's great. It's great for Hurland, um, and I don't think like it. It, it was obviously a massive shock. Mm. Um, they had a good league. They they ran Dublin quite close in the yeah. league. Only two points in it. Bet Offaly drew with Carlo. Um, I think people the fact that Carlo got a lot of the hype because they were in the actual Leinster Championship yeah. but they they're, they're not as far off obviously as as uh, as people think um, but for for Hurling itself it's it's huge and it shows that the tiered Championship kind of is perhaps working to an extent well to an extent but it probably shows that Lee should be in the Leinster Championship yeah well, more, uh, more so than Sarah Farrell was saying that, that there's no reason why there shouldn't be a six team in, in Leinster um, it wouldn't add any weekends to it Mm. Um, and it would give you know it's very unfortunate now for Carlo to go back down. And, mm. You know you give them give them that the, the chance to have that kind of a day more often. But um, the scenes afterwards were just awesome. brilliant. Like you know. every county should have that. Yeah. Like one like once every four or five years, everybody should get that. Should yeah. get that opportunity to to jump the fence and run on the pitch. Uh, even if you know, I, I presume there were plenty of leash people there yesterday who are just sort of GA fans to be mm. more football people than hurling people, and yet they like that chance to roar yeah. for your county, hop on the pitch and go and lift somebody's shoulder yeah. high after it. Grown men just going crazy, like That's awesome. Um, but like it's funny afterwards, you know, when they do the interviews with the players on, on these big games and again at leash, you know, asking them, you know, what does it mean? Like, oh, it was a great game, you know, great, mm. great day. But like ultimately, other than the, these men, you know, when they get married and have children, like that's the best day of their oh, life. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. it doesn't get better than that. That's just dreams coming true yeah, on the field, yeah. and you, they don't know what to do. Yeah. Um. I I seen after Wexford, um, which was obviously less of a shock, but there was silver at the end of it. Mm. Wexford's winning um, same, the last final outpouring of joy. You just yeah. watch the celebrations yeah. afterwards. It's just brilliant. I didn't know yeah. where to turn, and and the 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 snippets that I've seen from from Leash as well. There, it's just. Brilliant, and and they don't get enough enough of those days. Leash, um, you know, they're dual county. They do really well to to be competitive in both both mm. strands, and it's just it was a great day for them and a great day for Hurling as well. Well, it kicks into a, a kind of a mental weekend of GEA upcoming. Do you know, there's six matches on TV over the weekend between Sky and RTE. Uh, the on Saturday, Sky will have the Tyrone Ross Common game in the Super Eights. And RTE will have the Dublin Cork game in the Super 8. So that's on Saturday. And on Sunday, Sky are showing Donegal Meath at 2pm. Cork Kilkenny in the All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinal is a massive game. Is on RTE 2 at 2 o'clock. Then at 4 o'clock on RTE 1, Carrier play in Mayo. And at 4 o'clock on RTE 2, the Tipperary Leash game is on. 
So it's a massive weekend of GA coming up uh, on the back of all of this. Yeah, it's funny. I seen um, Paddy Power already had odds on. I saw that. Yeah. On Dublin against <laughs> against Tipperary. So um, yeah, like yeah, for Leeds to follow it up against Tipperary is a different a different question. But yeah, like but just Cork for for the occasion for them and then for. Cork Kilkenny is going to be a huge game, mm. and you have the first round of Super Eights. It, it really does. I, I, I was uh, I was talking to some of the guys on the online desk about you know the fact that we're going to have uh, a busy busy weekend mm. in terms of blog and match reports coming in. But you really don't mind it when there's good games. Yeah, you really, it's, it's when you've got a weekend of some qualifiers, some weekends, and the matches coming in, you just really don't want to see <laughs> or read the reports. But with them, it's like you want to watch the game, and anything you missed, you want to read yeah, about. Same. And we all hate our jobs. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Uh, later on, we are going to have uh, Philip Reid on to talk to us about uh, a fantastic Irish Open in La Hinch, won by John Ram yesterday. But first, we will talk about the Super 8s. And the Super 8 lineup is in front of us. Of course, the Crook Park don't call it the Super 8, but we will do that, Eamon. So the Super 8 lineup is. Yeah, so the four provincial winners are all at home for the first round, mm. which is a change from last year, giving them an advantage. Um, so we've Dublin are out first against Cork, Roscommon are out first against Tyrone and the Hyde. Um, and in the other group, you've. Donegal at home to Meath and you have Kerry against Mayo which I think is the one that most people are excited about I was going, not not so much the tie of the weekend but maybe the tie of the Super 8s yeah you know yeah. Um, like there's no better way to, to, to sort of kick it off yeah and it's funny that, that last year um, I it, and, and maybe this was the the loss of Mayo in it last year, but last year the the consensus was that the Super Eights kind of fizzled out before they even started because the Croke Park round and it was raining and the games weren't great or whatever. But now you have you have Mayo going to Killarney on Saturday or Sunday indeed, and yeah. um, you know everybody is excited for it all week. Yeah, yeah, and all you need is a couple a couple of the games to 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 kind of carry it through. But I think in the other group as well, like Roscommon and Cork have to win. Or be competitive in those yeah. first games, or yeah. But the the change this year gives an advantage, so mm. it is a it is a good change for the provincial winners. So we have Sean Moran on the line. Sean, how are you? Great, thanks. Uh, I think the best way to do this, we might go through uh, hit on each of the teams, and I guess we may as well start with with both Mayo and Kerry. We'll start with Mayo. You were there on Saturday uh, for their win over Galway, ending a run of seven games against Galway where they couldn't beat them. Um, what was the difference this time around? Well, uh, yeah, it, it, it was kind of unfortunate for Kevin Walsh. Like the, last, the last kind of pillar of, a, of his management was the record against Mayo, mm. and, and that went fairly comprehensively on Saturday. I think what happened was that in the matches that has been played in recent years um, between Galway and Mayo, that's... Uh, Galway have managed to dictate the terms of them and with the defensive system it's been particularly successful at stifling Mayo but when you get opened up for two goals in the first 10 minutes mm. um, you know a defensive game isn't really going to isn't going to win it for you and uh, although they they came back and they managed to get within three points on, on a couple of occasions it never felt in the ground that this is going to be uh, turned around I think probably the tipping point was uh, the missed penalty, uh, which is just at the beginning of the final quarter. I think if that went in, it cuts the margin to three points. And suddenly a match that, you know, has 
looked out of Galway's reach really all the way up to that point would come back into into play but of course uh, the penalty wasn't scored and the you know the margin remained at, at at 6 i think as well in fairness to mayo everyone's been kind of saying so you know you've got to produce uh, more forwards and, and more options and i think we got a sense of this during the league with some of the the new players james horn introduced one of them in particular james carr with a good league final against kerry and uh, scored both the goals uh, early on in in limerick Obviously, Darren Cohn has been scoring well for them for the last couple of matches. I think they've they've successfully kind of retooled themselves now since losing to to, to Ross Common, and they go into this with confidence quite high because you know they've beaten Kerry twice in the league already, uh, including down in in, in Kerry in, in Tralee rather than Killarney. But I think they'll I think they'll they'll have a good bounce out of Sunday. I think the big Question mark for Mayo is really what they beat on on Saturday, and that'll become clear on on Sunday, and probably have to fancy Kerry at at home, which is going to be interesting. Me or Mayo won't mind Eamon going to Killarney for their first game. Like they they they're going there with their their tails up. What the feeling that anybody that I've talked to in Kerry, the feeling that they have got from their recent meetings with Mayo is that they've been bullied around the place and that Mayo are just more grizzled, tougher, stronger through the middle, all that sort of stuff. Uh, what have Kerry got to to face that with? Yeah, I, I think during the league, a big one for Kerry was uh, the injury to David Moran. They really struggled at midfield. Um, and I, I suppose against, against Cork, they were matched in the middle, but... Him coming back will be a, will be a big boost because Mayo do have injuries around there, so they're not as strong as as they were. And Lois saw Shamey shaking back. Shamey will shake him back. Yeah. They're saying Jamie O'Connor and Matthew Ryan mo- might make returns in the mm. Super Race, but they won't be back um, for this for this game. Um, so I think Kerry have, have definitely improved, and Kerry are coming in off the the back of that court game where everyone has questioned them rather than last year where everyone was hyping them. So mm. I think that. They've kind of would have been working on things and working on weaknesses, and, and I think as well as the Cork play quite similarly to to Mayo, they run the ball, they're quite physical through the middle, so they would have had a good challenge in in respect to that. Um, so I I can see that game again being very close, but but Kerry have such firepower inside at the moment, yeah, and they're all and they don't get beaten, Killarney. No. Now it's not the you know the, that's a, a bit of a false record because who plays them there only like Cork and uh, the Munster teams basically uh, and Kildare played them last year in in the Super Eights but um, they that that doesn't stop them walking out of the dressing room going well this is this is where we play this is where we train this is where we trained on Thursday night we know this ground nobody beats us here that kind of thing yeah and they won't want they won't want to get beaten there but I, I think that kind of this this Kerry team. Um, under Peter Keane they've tried to change their defensive system mm. in as far as they're basically get everyone behind the ball as quickly as possible but not stand in there get behind the ball and then press up mm. and it suits Mayo because Mayo love being pressed on because then they'll break the tackle and they've a reward for it so mm. that's why I think Mayo the last two games have been so successful against them because Kerry's system is made for playing taking on the doubles but it actually suits Mayo mm. so um the way it, the way it's set up, it's definitely going to be a, a gunfight. Like there's definitely going to be end to end because Kerry are working on this. It's not going to just change the way they've been what they've been working on 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 all year. So they get behind the ball and then they press up with with numbers and they just try and squeeze. Mm. So um and and and, and Mayo love nothing better than that kind of competitive style and that kind of war of attrition. Sean, the other game in that 
uh, group is going to be uh, Meath and Donegal. Like Meath came came through that game with, with Clare yesterday. It was a point in the end. Um, I I thought Clare. Claire like caught a beat them like they 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 had an uh, an ocean of of wides and balls dropped short in the second half uh, and and could have caught them. Yeah, I look from Meath's point of view, there would have been assumptions going into that match, but Claire been a Division Two team yeah. like Meath uh, for the last couple of years, and there there wasn't much in it when they played in the league uh, earlier uh, this year, so. It was always going to be a, a, a tricky one, and particularly for me, coming off the Leinster final where things went spectacularly wrong for them, particularly in, in attack. And also the record of, of Leinster finalists is so it's poor appalling, in, yeah. in round four of the qualifiers. I think that the first ones in 10 years since Kildare in 2009 to actually make it to the, to, to the last eight. So I think it's it's positive for me. Um, I accept the point that you know that they didn't look uh, an overwhelming force when they when they beat Clare yesterday. But I think one of the points that's been made uh, about them, but it's probably worth making again, is that you know in the in, in the Leinster final, they their defence was very impressive in the first half. Uh, you know, particularly playing without a, without a system, they've good defenders. I think you can see that again yesterday for the, for the most part, and they. They've played Donegal in a big match. Um, you know, they played them in, in, in the Division Two final, and obviously, I think Donegal were too good for them on the day. Michael Murphy, in particular, <laughs> ran the show. But they have that ex- experience, and I think for me, me are one of the teams who come into this not, you know, looking to win an, uh, an All Ireland, but, but but having looks to get there in the first place, mm. and to use hopefully what would be a good developmental experience for, for, for the team. They're probably in the right pool as well because I think the, the, the problem with the other pool is that Dublin and, and Tyrone tend to be fairly merciless when it comes to, to, to these things and I think Meath will f- feel more comfortable in the, the, the teams they're playing in, in, in this even though they'll probably be outsiders you know, is, to get anything out of it. Yeah, it is the interesting thing about uh, the Super 8s or the, or the, or the quarter-final stage as, as they like to call it um, like it would be a very lucky year that we get to it with the best eight teams in the country in it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that, you know, the qualifier draw. The qualifier draw that, sort of yeah. weeds out, you know, it it, it, it does it it does it, it you find the draw, you find good teams running up against each other. Like I don't think anybody'd be in any real doubt that maybe probably Armagh are probably one of the best eight teams in the country or they're at least trending that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so there's going to be a little bit of that every year. There's going to be a team, at least one team, and maybe two each year that are that are really going to be treading water in it. You know? Yeah, yeah. You see, I think there's I think there's a turnover of three counties this year, which is yeah. good to, to to move it around. But mm. yeah, that the whole nature of the draw means that you know you're going to get a round four draw like Galway versus Mayo. Um, mm. you, you know, taking two one one division one team out of it. So uh, yeah, there, there is there is going to be that, but you would have had that in the old knockout quarter exactly, finals yeah, as well, yeah. like a team that gets through to the, the last eight, and it, it's it's good experience. Yeah. And that experience you see is intensified now because it's a group context. So you've guaranteed three matches. Now that can be it can be positive, but it can be kind of negative as well if you're getting kind of hosed down the drain in all your matches. It gets mm. a bit wearying by the end of the of the third one. But I think it's become even more so than when you had the the, the knockout quarterfinals. It's become a 
a, a target for teams at the start of the year. And I think, mm. in fairness to me, if you looked at the start of the year at them getting promotion to Division One, reaching the Leinster final, and reaching the la- the last eight, the, you know, they just said that that was uh, that, that was a, a kind of a respectable. Uh, uh, list of things to achieve for the yeah. year and they've done that qualifies as a really good stepping stone for, for next year Eamon so they're up against Donegal in Ballybuffet on Sunday like Donegal are, are, are definitely there. I mean they're there they're one yeah. of okay if we take obviously Dublin you know we, we can almost kind of put them aside we, you know their ambitions are obvious um, Donegal are one of the they're in that next strata they're near enough to the top of the ne- of the next yeah. strata of, of the teams that. so this is it you've got you have five games now for an All-Ireland what are you going to do? Yeah I think that they're, it's fair to say that, that the next the next best after Dublin mm. they've shown that so far um, me they aren't going to challenge Donegal I don't think me they're going to challenge any of the teams um, in that group but for Donegal themselves it's important for them to get off to the right foot and on the right foot and just to be really Get back to the things that they were doing. They've got a lot of competition in that squad. I think that's what's going to keep mm. them keep them flowing through early ga- an early game like that. Um, but yeah, the 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 other gr- the other game in that group is the is is the more is the more important game. But I I, I can see Donegal beating all three teams. But if Donegal were to to lose a game, then you can start having a really a really messy um <laughs> a, a really mm. messy group like um. Mm. But yeah, Donegal have for me their backline is 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 very strong. Um, a lot of experience in there. That's probably where they have the most experience from um, from the past. And then up front they've got a mixture of pace, and then they can put Michael Murphy in and go direct. So yeah. they've got a really good balance. Their midfield has been so so impressive. Um, Hugh McFadden has had a brilliant year. Yeah. Um, so they just look like they have different ways to go about it, which you need to have. Um, a big thing I think for me and in the Super 8 you've seen it even with Cavan last weekend at this stage of the year I think teams if they're a few points down there is a tendency just to kind of throw the towel in to die yeah yeah. yeah. and that's where you can see the real hammerings like uh, I can see me picking up three hammerings not necessarily they are probably 10 points at least worse than the three teams they're playing against mean, but yeah. they could just if they were to play them them teams earlier in the year, they'd just give it everything and fight to the end. But it's very hard at this time of year. Mm. Um, it's a bit like what this sort of happened to Roscommon last year. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And 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 yeah. And Cavan was was the example of it there against mm. Tyrone. Like just completely kind of just zapped of energy, yeah. zapped of emotional energy. I think more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean, we'll move on to the other group. Uh, Cork, you know, <laughs> they have really. They were. I. I think we all thought that you know the, it wasn't going to be an indefinite thing that Cork was all were always going to be down, down, down. But like, talk about thundering back into uh, into some sort of respectability, and now they now they have the dubs on Saturday night. Yeah, they they, they kind of. I won't say they came out uh, out of nowhere, mm. uh, but just looking at their recent championship performances, and not just the the kind of the the the, the annual persecution of playing Kerry down, down in Munster, but how poor they were against Tyrone in the qualifiers last year. Um, attention has been drawn to the fact that although they got relegated in, in the league, it was a kind of a tight thing, mm. they were a little bit unlucky, but they also won two of their last three matches. Um, it was noted that they were quite impressive uh, dismantling Limerick, a uh, Limerick team that had beaten Tipperary. And then they go into the, the final where they gave 
Kerry, plenty of it, mm. un- unexpectedly for, for a lot of people. And, um, you know, that, that match was actually open go- going down the straight. So, uh, you know, that was positive for them. And what was critical was that that wasn't an end in itself. In other words, they didn't come out of that and then underperform in their in their qualifier yeah. match. And they, they, they certainly didn't. They came out and... Uh, you know, in Leash, where Leash were counties that have actually leapfrogged them in the league this year. So, uh, you know, so it, it, it looks like it was going to be mm. a challenge, and they, they took it on really well. So they are, um, it was. It, it is interesting that, that, that Cork and Mead, you know, two of the kind of the, the traditional mm. uh, counties and uh, been in provincial finals have actually made it through to the, to, to, to the final eight. And I think... Cork have certain things uh, going for them. It's probably unfortunate to have to open up uh, in Croke Park against against Dublin, um, but they're they're a physical team. They've got good movements and, and and pace, and uh, I think to an extent, the pressure is slightly off them now that they've now that they've hit this this mark, and uh, they have Roscommon at home in in, in the final match, and uh, they, they they are. You know, uh, I think they're well placed to use this uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a decent developmental uh, opportunity. Interesting thing is, I, I suspect Parky Greaves isn't going to be available for the, the Ross Common match, so uh, that'll be probably in Parky Ring. You might say that the, the numbers swinging behind the Cork footballers probably don't uh, don't require anything uh, more expansive than than, than that. <laughs> That's funny, Sean, because I was just uh, as you were talking there, I was looking at the paper here, and they ha- and we have the fixtures listed out for the, all the way to the final, and it does say venue TBA for for Corkers Common. Why, why is Parky Cave not around? Because they're relaying the pitch. Ah, okay. Uh, that's why it wasn't available for the the hurling quarterfinals. Okay. Um, and they, they announced that back in May that that it was going to be okay for the Cork Championship matches, but then they were going to. Uh, to kind of fundamental work on it afterwards, mm. so it wasn't going to host the All Ireland hurling quarterfinals as it has done for the past couple of years. Um, I don't think anyone had turned their minds to the idea that they might be actually in the Super Eight <laughs> footballers, but uh, it, it, unhelpfully, that's the it's the third match in the in the schedule. So I suspect they'd be holding up things for for, for too long if they were to make Parky Cueve available for that. So I suspect it'll be in Parky Ring. Oh, it's funny enough, Eamon, the, the, the shadow that Dublin cast over the football championship does tend to, to obscure at times. And, and there has been a little bit of a comeback in the last couple of weeks. I've seen columns starting to be written and pundits starting to say, actually, while everybody's sort of ha- been only half paying attention, this has been a really good football championship. Like, it's really competitive. There's a level of teams that are, are well fit to play each other. And it was only... When you see Cork giving Kerry a rattle, hammering Leash, and now up against Dublin, that you realise, oh right, yeah, that 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 some of these times when we go, oh God, you know, the football championship is is in such trouble. Partly it's because a big team, when a big team like Cork, like shrivels away to irrelevancy, like they have for the last four or five years. It takes a big hole. It takes a big chunk out of the championship. But all of a sudden, now, okay, okay nobody thinks they're going to beat the Dubs on Saturday night. But if they're come, coming in there, then you, you're kind of going, well, listen, Cork are Cork, like, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and they have players and they've won under 20 championships and they've won in All-Ireland this decade and they're league champions, whatever, five, six years ago. Uh, like, they're it. it brings a bit more to the championship when they're around. Yeah, yeah, and I think the big word is belief, mm. as you were saying, because of that tradition. Mm. So, 
Um, if another team had done what Cork had done this summer, which really isn't isn't, done, isn't a whole yeah, lot, yeah, yeah. other than the challenge matches, which we all got very excited about that nobody's seen, then... That's it, they're unbeaten against Dublin this year. Yeah, so they've already beaten the Dubs. But yeah, I think that you're right, yeah, because they have belief in it, and it, it goes into, I think that's the big thing about Mayo, even mm. more so than that, because they've done it in recent times against the Dubs. Um, but yeah, Cork are coming in um, with people kind of seeing them as now as, as, as a dark horse. For this game... I think that the way that Cork play, they've gone back to their traditional style, the traditional running style. Um, they've got the two lads inside, so if, if a team wants to counter that by, by pushing up on them, they'll kick it in. And if not, they'll go back to their full-on running style. Mm. And Dublin are going to really struggle against that purely because... Well, it's steady on now. It, it'll definitely ask questions. We don't know there's no evidence that they will really struggle. Look, defensively, yeah. I yeah. think I think anyone would struggle against them. Like, their running off the shoulder is phenomenal. Mm. Like, like, the only team that I've seen running off the shoulder and movement like them, and it's a different context, but is Curra Finn in club yeah. football. Yeah. The problem is they conceded 115 against Leash. Yeah. Um, what they conceded, the way they were opened up against Kerry. Yeah. I can see Cork scoring a lot. I can see Dublin scoring an insane <laughs> amount. So, um, but defensively, I think they're going to ask different questions of Dublin. Yeah. Um, which, if if Dublin get through, which you'd expect they would, it could be good for for Dublin down the line. But um, definitely going for this game going into it, there's there's a lot more excitement mm. than if another team had come through after yeah. beating a what a Division Three and a Division. A Division 14. And Sean, uh, I, if it is the Monday after the last round of the qualifiers, it must be uh, a good day for Tyrone. They are um, d- pootling away, as they tend to do, uh, through the qualifiers and have arrived here after giving another tanking over the weekend. Um, hard hard not to imagine that they are where they want to be. Wh- whether What that means for the rest of the year is a different story. Yeah, it, funny thing about Tyrone... I mean, as you say, there's nothing unusual about their 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 method of progress this year. Uh, disappointing outing in in Ulster, and then uh, increasingly feverish beatings of mm. hapless opponents <laughs> in the qualifiers and presenting themselves in the last eight. The interesting thing about them is that we were looking at them uh, in the league and thinking at, that that they had answered the the most fundamental query about the way they play. That it it's set up to. You know, make them uh, sort of competitive and up to up to the top level, but not really offer them huge prospects when when they get to the very top level. And during the league, they added this sort of attacking uh, aspect mm. to to their game, which seemed to get dumped as soon as they they lost to Donegal in in Ulster. It'll be interesting to see how they go about it uh, in the in in, in the quarterfinal. Stages. Um, I mean, everyone knows that they can they can defend in, in numbers and break at pace and uh, create the opportunities to score and wear down teams and beat them well. In the end, it's how they get on at the at the real business end of the of the championship that, that that defines it for them. Now, fortuitously, from their 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 point of view, and this is going to be interesting on in the in, in round in round three, they've again got Dublin at home. Um, as they did last year. Mm. Last year, it was in round two, mm. so that Dublin's win in Oma um, that at that stage basically put Dublin through as group group winners. Uh, whereas now, the w- the topping of the group will probably be on the line in in Oma when uh, when Dublin go up there. And th- 
there wasn't very much in it last year, I have to say. Now I was at it, mm. and uh, Dublin won by three. But it was, uh, and they, they looked better for most of it. In the last ten minutes, uh, Tyrone put a bit of a, a push on, and the, the result was is still in the balance. It's fair, it's fair to say. So that could have that could have an impact on on things. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, will will Tyrone? I mean, Tyrone a great success with the the more attacking configuration in the league against Dublin in, in Croke Park, and uh, I just wonder how they play. In that that match, obviously, we have to see how the the two rounds uh, see where everybody is yeah. position the teams going into it. Yeah. But th- it's a fairly it's fairly uncontentious to say that the, the the winning of the group could well be on the line in in, in that in that third match, and it could be it could be quite open. So I, it's going to be interesting to to, to see how uh, to see how how, how Tyrone uh, go because they've you know they they they, they did this business where they started the league shockingly and then kind of recovered and were were quite near to getting to the final themselves. Mm. Started the championship shockingly and now they've come back and they're they're back in the the, the last eight again. And uh, I think they'll be they they'll be contenders, but have will will they add the extra dimension to their game that that, that makes them uh, that, that makes them more dangerous than, than than they are at the at the moment against the top teams. First of all, of course Eamon, they have to go to the welcome to hell, the hide on on Sunday. It is Sunday or is it Saturday? It is yeah. Look, Saturday. I mean, the, the thing about Saturday. that is that I mean, interestingly, I mean, Roscommon feel quite badly about uh, about, about the fact that they were they were held to a draw by Tyrone in the mm-hmm. league uh, in, in the Hyden. There was a kind of a controversial incident at the end where Roscommon felt they should have had a free that was that was turned around and uh, the match ended up as a as a draw. I think this is what uh, when everyone's pondering whether this format has been a success or not. It's going to, it, it's best, most positive points arise from these matches where teams have home advantage in, in their own uh, provincial venues. And, uh, you know, last year's highlights all to do with those matches, whether it was Oma or Kerry in, in, in Clonus, mm. Galway in, in, in Newbridge and, uh, uh, and so on. And, and this will be, will be interesting, you know, because I'm, I mean, Russ Carlton looked to have improved from the experiences of uh, of last year and now whether they're up to the, the sort of uh, mark that uh, Toronto have been hitting in recent weeks, we, we'll find out. But at least it gives them an, an opportunity to uh, put their best foot forward. I mean, last year they were, they, they were competitive uh, without being, um, you know, Hugely threatening, I suppose. In the Donegal uh, match, it was their best. It was their best match of the uh, of, of the three. And I, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It'll be an interesting uh, test for for Tyrone as well. Rossies are they're a different prospect this year, Eamon, I think. Uh, I mean, I have a, a few Roscommon mates that were on to me uh, last night or, or or on Saturday night, going, "Ah, Tyrone are going to eat us." I, I don't think that pessimism is as warranted this year as in other years. Yeah, I, I think that there's. There's a fear that there could be scars left over mm, from last year. Um, like last year in Crow Park was quite a was quite a scary prospect. They were completely torn open, and but it has happened against around a couple of a couple of times yeah. in the last sort of five six years. All right, yeah. but this this Roscommon team will, in terms of if Tyrone go into their running game, Tyrone get numbers behind. It will suit Roscommon because Roscommon are dogged, mm. um, and all of these things. Um, I think it'll definitely be a tight game. Home advantage is going to be huge. Where Tyrone, the 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 new, I, I think, uh, dimension that Tyrone have added with Colin McShane inside, it's going to be crucial in this game because Roscommon's full back line isn't isn't big. the best under a high ball mm. or 
against someone like him, he caused a lot of trouble in the league. And that was before they even kind of persisted with him. That that was the game after that game. That was the first point they got, and they, they changed after that. But they had him in at full forward in that game. Mm. They just didn't kick a ball, ball into him. But mm. anything that came into him stuck, and he won freeze, and a lot came off him. And I think that the amount of ball they get into him will 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 be the the telling of mm. of that game. Um, but it, that that will definitely be a a close match because just the way that Roscommon play, you, you you can't see them. You know, bringing they're anything a bit, but a massive intensity to yeah. it, especially in the first the first game home venue. They're going to bring a lot. And funny, Ross, come and remind me a little of, of Monaghan from the last few years. Mm. Yeah, you don't beat them by much and they don't beat you by much. And it comes down to, like in the in the end, I suppose, substitute Conor Cox in for Conor McManus. There's a little bit of that about yeah. them. You know, they're, I think they're maybe a little more dimensional than that Monaghan team a little bit. But there's a bit of that about it, that, that these games, I will be very surprised if, Tyrone are just hand-passing the ball around seven points up with five minutes to go. I, I don't see that being the game. No, no. It, I think it shows as well the importance of the what I was referring to, the, the, the home venue for for teams. Because, you know, Roscommon last year, okay, they were a year earlier in, in, in their evolution, but you know, to have to play both Tyrone and Dublin and Croke Park, yeah. mm. you know, it, it, it's a really daunting schedule for, mm. for, for, for a team. And, uh, you know, because neither of them are going to uh, always have much scruple about winding up the, the, the scoreboard on you. Uh, although I, I know that uh, it was point was made in Roscommon that, the, that they, they actually scored more against Dublin in, the, in, in that dead rubber match at mm. the end of last year than anyone else managed in the in the championship. But um, it, it's a great advantage for them, and I think it probably shows that there's a there's a positive uh, aspect to the idea that. You know the provincial champions get to play at home uh, first. So that's their reward, as it were. And it would be interesting to see the effect that has on the dynamic of the groups. Because remember last year, the point was the provincial champions played each other uh, on the first Sunday. And the idea behind that, which actually was successful enough in the end, was that uh, by taking points off each other, they might militate against dead rubbers happening. And you know, as, as, as it turned out, by the last weekend, only Roscommon and Dublin was a was a was a dead rubber in the in in the groups. So it worked. Now, with the provincial champions getting uh, home advantages to start with, you just wonder will the will the reasoning behind the original structure be be, be vindicated? In other words, will teams get 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 away, and will we have more dead rubbers? Uh, this year that, that'll that be worth keeping an eye on um, well we will have uh, many weeks to keep an eye on that uh, as we go on listen Sean thanks so much no problem I was in Clare for most of the week uh, Eamon but I was in the other side of the county so I didn't get down to La Hinch but I appear to be the only person in Clare who wasn't in La Hinch last week yeah, they had great, great crowds um, down there from the from the pro am right through the week. So um. it was massive. It was. Um, it all seemed. We have Philip Reid uh, on the line. Philip, it all seems to have gone off to a phenomenal level of of success. The Irish Open. Well, I don't think it could have gone any better, to be honest. Mm. Well, if there was an Irish winner, maybe it could have gone a bit better. But when you have John Ram, who is one of the global superstars, doing what he did on a Sunday and winning in front of those great crowds, uh, it was something really special. And I must say, uh, to people at Clare, but I think a lot of people from Dublin, Cork, Limerick, all sort of 
uh, converged on the hinge for the last week and uh, the man above uh, certainly paid him well with fantastic weather which which always helps mm. at a golf tournament and uh, it was one of those great weeks and I must say one of the great Irish Opens it just shows you uh, like in, in the past you probably would have just looked at the traditionally uh, like the Port Marnix and Baltres and the Port Rushes for stage and tournaments but I think we've learned in the last few years when you go to places like Port Stewart Ballyliffin and now La Hinch that the local community take everything you know to take it to heart and really put on a fantastic show and certainly I think they showcased La Hinch as one of uh, really a truly world ranked golf course that uh was a fitting uh, host venue. Do you know what I find interesting, uh, Philip? And it wasn't uh, this. This doesn't always come come across on television. It, it, exactly what you're saying there came through the TV. That this wasn't so much just a course. Fair enough. Everybody knows La Hinch is a great golf course, but it really came across that this was that that sort of patch of land, that part of the world was hosting this tournament. That it wasn't just this great golf course, it was just, exactly as you said, this community, these people, and that it it really shone out from it. Like, it looked, it even just looked different on TV than your normal workaday, regular European tour tournaments or PGA tour tournaments. Well, it, it felt like it. In, in some ways, it almost felt like the atmosphere you get at majors because... Mm. Uh, uh, it, it didn't matter where you were on the course. There, there was a, a fabulous vibe, and you could hear the roars, you could hear the applause, and I must say the appreciation of the galleries. You know, uh, they obviously know they're golf in those parts because mm. uh, they they applauded good shot sh- shots, and they kept very quiet when there were bad shots. <laughs> and so sometimes you're at tournaments, and uh, like a, a player turns around in disgust because like there's applause for a shot that he knows going in a bunker yeah, is yeah, yeah. not where he wanted to put it, you know. But like you know, the appreciation and the, the golfing values of uh, the crowd, I think, were absolutely top class. If if there was one little criticism that I heard constantly through the week, it was about a lack of toilets around the course, you know. So uh, if <laughs> If they ever hold it again, I'm sure they'll tick that box. But in every other department, I think uh, it couldn't have gone any better. And Paul McGinley, as we know from his Ryder Cup captaincy, he does embrace uh, any job that he takes on. And uh, he proved to be a really good tournament host. And uh, there was hardly a mention of Rory McIlroy all week, which is incredible. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Tell me um, about Ram's round. Actually, tell me about his weekend, because like, uh, to shoot what he shot on the weekend uh, around that course, uh, obviously there were no low numbers there, as we saw. Robert Rocket is 60, Harrington is 63 the first day. But um, to zoom through the field, I, I watched it, uh, I watched plenty of it yesterday. And like at a certain point on the front nine, Rafa Cabrera Bello was three shots clear and looked to be not putting a foot wrong. And it looked like it wasn't really going to matter what anybody else did. But Ram basically went on a barrage of, like, did he have something like nine threes and 12 holes or something like that? Yeah, he had 11 trees on his card, which is extraordinary. And, you know, but like this, this guy is a superstar. Okay. He hasn't won a major, but like he's, he's won all around the world and he's only 24 years of age. He he looks as if he could be a heavyweight boxer, like, you know, 
I'm sure he enjoys his dinner every night. But <laughs> you know, his he has a fabulous short touch as well. And when he when he gets that putter going, like you know, he's he's as good as anyone. And uh, like to go 64, 62 over the weekend, it was just a pure joy. I was out actually at the thirteenth hole when he had his little uh, hiccup, shall we call mm. it? He had a five. Um, you know, he actually did well in a way to to limit it to a bogey, but that was in the middle of uh, his run of uh, birdies, and uh, you know, in the old days, like the the fiery ram would have like thrown the, the teddy bears mm, out of the prams mm, and stuff, but he. Uh, like he went over, instead of giving the putter to the, the caddy, he put the putter head back on himself. He seemed to take a moment. Okay, maybe put the putter back into the bag with a little extra action, a little lump. <laughs> but like it was strange, he was talking afterwards about us to walk to the 14 tee. He'd played with the same ball for 13 holes, which is very unusual because uh, players normally change after every couple of holes. So he'd use the same ball for 13 holes and his caddy then decided that, I'll give you another ball and he said, this is the twin brother of that ball so there's more yeah. birdies in this. <laughs> and he went off again and uh, you know, he he absolutely loves Ireland and he loves the Irish crowd and he loves the Irish Open and I think um, afterwards, you know, like when he was asked, will you come back to defend? He looked at us as if we were all mad mm. you know, as if to say, of course I'm coming back to defend but he, he loves Irish golf he loves Lynx golf and in fact I think he's going to Wimbledon today but his plan is to come back to Ireland and uh, prepare for next week's uh, the British Open up in Royal Portrush by playing more Lynx golfs in, in Ireland Yeah I would say I saw um, the Mexican lad uh, Abraham Anser was basically saying that he was doing the same like for the for the next week yeah. he's going to play Lynx golf around Ireland I'd say eagle-eyed people on, on some of the good Lynx courses around the country now for the next week might <laughs> might uh, get uh, get uh, nice little surprises uh, on the odd one over the coming week ahead of Portrush next week. Yeah, well, this is what uh, used to happen in the past. Like mm. Mark O'Meara and Tiger Woods would, uh, go down would to frequently yeah. come to Ireland mm. to go to Waterville and they worked their way around different Lynx courses. Uh, Dustin Johnson has done the same. Like, you know, his he, he liked the Dublin area, so he'd be playing Royal Dublin and Port Marnock and the island. But I think there's a sense that, you know, with the Lynx swing, okay, we didn't get the Americans uh, last week. Uh, I think, you know, the clash with July, the, the 4th of July and Independence Day is a factor in that. But, you know, you're you're going to see, as you say, Maliki, there will be American players and international players uh, playing links courses around the country. So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for it. But just getting back to answer, you know, OK, he didn't, didn't play too well again over the weekend, mm. but he looks a very, very decent player. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, Oh, it'll be interesting actually to keep an eye on him next week. Yeah, I was thinking something similar. Uh, do you know what was what I really found interesting over the weekend? Like, and I mean, you've been doing, covering Irish Opens for a lot longer than me, but I, I did a few of them as well. Uh, all you ever needed, it, it always used to be a fairly binary thing that you needed either good weather or you need an Irish contender. Otherwise, the tournament was a bit of a bit of a damn squib. Uh, like so, the weather was was fine. Like okay, it was it was very good on Friday and Saturday, but like the weather was was grand. Uh, but n- n- it was still a successful tournament with Cormac Sharvin being the high- highest Irish contender, and he was he was a little bit back. Like so, it was still a success, even though there was no apart from the first day, no great Irish push near the top of the leaderboard. Well, that's you've hit a nail in the head there, to be honest, and I think that's uh, that's where the are. 
Irish Open is now. And uh, you are obviously, if an Irish player wins it, it's it's going to be a huge. It's going to make it even bigger. Sharvin. Uh, and Robin Dawson, I must say, were both very impressive. When you consider they were playing on sponsors' invitations, and normally they're playing in front of sort of a handful of people on the challenge tour, if we're honest. Uh, they absolutely seem to be energised by the crowds. And, uh, you know, Sharvin, when he finished on the 18th green yesterday, like he's wearing his uh, shamrock belt and he took off his hat. He's a Team Ireland logo on his uh, shirt. And he basically took off his hat and basically went from one side of the green to the other in terms of acknowledging the sport he'd, uh, mm. he'd received. But he seems the real deal. And I must say, Robin Dawson is only, he's, what, less than nine months into his professional career. You know, you're looking at these, they're, they're proper sportsmen. Like, you know, Robin is six foot one. He's lean and he's mean and uh, they're well able to play golf. And I think if they get onto the bigger stage of the European Tour, they'll actually benefit and uh, progress. And uh, it's probably overdue that we have a few extra players years on tour because Patrick Harrington was making the point that when he turned pro there was something like 12 or 13 or 14 Irish pros mm. on tour now it's uh, now it's just a handful at any given time uh, Sharvin was was particularly uh, impressive yesterday after he had some he had a really bad start but he hit back with uh, sort of three birdies in a row and really held his round together like I thought at one stage he was going to sneak his way into the top 10 which would have been massive for him in terms of paycheck apart from anything else but uh he really did hold his round together, even even with the bad start. Yeah, I think he's very strong mentally. He, um, as you say, his top ten actually would have got him into the Scottish Open, which is another Rolex mm. uh, Series event this week, and would have given him a shot at getting a spot into the field for Royal Portrush. But when when he had that, he had a poor enough start, uh, two bogeys in the first three holes, and uh, he went on the run of uh, three back to back. Three birdies in a row, and then number ten, he could have had any score. To be honest, he he did well to limit it to a, a bogey five, but he did very well coming in. He grabbed a couple of birdies and finished with his four pars in a row. It's a uh, just vindication of uh, where he is at in his game, and he knows. We were talking to him afterwards, he knows that there's actually better in him. So I, I think the future is very bright, and uh, hopefully he's. Uh, He's going to be one of those players that's going to go out and start winning tournaments and uh, being a contender in the bigger events. Well, of course, this is the start of a busy stretch for you. Like excitement for Port Rush next week. Uh, I don't think it has really sort of crept up on the on the wider public. I I I think the Irish Open will have helped it, but like we we're, we're hosting a major next week. This is this is an enormous deal. This is a huge deal, and uh, I think the fact that it sold out so quickly, you know, people mm-hmm. then sort of went back into a little bit of a, a comfort blanket, you know, like, but um, like I, I've been pestered for tickets, and I just want to put mm-hmm. it out there now. No, I can't get <laughs> one of these tickets, because, uh, you know, it, it is a sellout. It's it's going to be absolutely unreal. Uh, I know Rory McIlroy was up there on, uh, what day was it, on Saturday, I believe. Um, I heard that the RNA actually closed the courts for him so yeah. that uh, he could get around in. But uh, I think that didn't go down too well with a lot of the members. So uh, it was subsequently <laughs> opened up again. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be great. You know, you're going to have all of the best players in the world there on what is a truly world class uh, golf course. And uh, you know, th- these are great times for for Irish golf in many ways. 
and uh, you've James Suger who won the uh, British Amateur Championship, and now we've we had a very successful Irish Open, and now we're heading into uh, the 148 Open Championship, and uh, you don't get any bigger than that. Excellent. Well, we can't wait for that, and we will have you back here either next Monday or the Monday after to talk about it. Thank you very much, Philip. Thanks, lads. And thank you to you, Eamon. Uh, Thank you to Declan behind the desk uh, and to Sean, who we had on earlier talking about the uh, football. And we will see everyone next week. Cheers, folks.